You're listening to Steady Picks Radio. Steady Picks is your source for industry-leading sports betting data and the latest news and information to help you bet smarter and start winning. Go to www.steadypicks.com to learn all the ways that you can listen to Steady Picks Radio and let our expert hosts help you win some money. Remember, betting is more fun when you win. Picks Radio, wake up and wager. Welcome back into the show. Good morning. This is Tom Ricky. Could not make it this morning. No Ricky this morning. But we do have a very special guest we'll get to in just a moment. Steadypicks.com is completely free to sign up. Sign up today. Best bets from myself, Ricky, Donnie, Big John. The Steady Pick system plays. Everything's completely free. So just go check it out. It's free to sign up. There's Literally nothing to pay for. So go check it out and uh, continue listening to this show every morning. Rate and review five stars if you uh, enjoy it. And today, and, and when you do that, we get good guests like we have today. Hey, uh, you call him a regular, maybe. Got Clive Bixby here on the show. It's at Clive Bixby 41 on Twitter. Uh, Clive, good morning. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me back. Of course. Uh, we were chatting on Twitter, and we said, wow, it's been a long time since we've had you on the show. It's been a month, or I think a little more than a month even. Yeah, a little bit longer, um, which I guess kind of makes sense. I've been traveling a little bit, and, you know, I actually got hit with COVID like two oh, weeks no. ago. It sucked. Oh, no. um, I'm fine, but it just was not fun. No, I wouldn't imagine so. And, um, of course, you were on uh, the Circles Off podcast last week. Is that last week? Yeah, I think it was last yeah, week. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool experience. Those guys are great. Um, first time I've ever been on one of those video-type uh, podcasts. How uh, nervous were you? Because I'd imagine, like, you know, I remember having Rob on this show, and I wasn't sure I was going to make it through. I was I, so I couldn't imagine being a guest on their show. Oh <laughs> uh, well, no, it wasn't bad. Not for me. Um, you know, they sent over a couple of ideas of things to talk about, so it was nothing that was unexpected. Uh, you know, you do enough of of these things, I think you start to get accustomed to it. That's and the video good. was just an extra piece. Oh, I like that. I like that. You know, we do this every morning, and even still, when we have, you know, guests on that we don't you know, like, Clive. We're you know, we're boys now. This is a regular thing. But like, you know, yeah. a new guest like that, I'm always a little bit nervous. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. But hopefully, one day that uh, that goes away. Yeah, and it was. Um, I, I will say that I am surprised at how much of a positive response that show got just going kind of through like my story a little bit, how I got started, uh, some of my background, it was received pretty well. So 
I, I couldn't be happier with how that went. Yeah, I thought it was super interesting. It was stuff that we haven't talked about on this show um, as much, so super, super interesting. Before today's show, what we're going to cover today, we got a couple different things. want to get your take on the NBA playoffs, a little MLB totals. Just get your thoughts, pick your brain there for a moment. And then uh, I know we wanted to talk about some of the transparency issues around the industry, and every day it seems to get worse and worse when I go through Twitter and I see different things. So we'll get to that in a bit as well um, to kind of dive into some of those problems. Excellent. So you, you, you said you haven't been betting a whole lot. What have you been betting? Do you bet? Do you plan to bet the NBA playoffs in any way? Or you're just on the sidelines right now? Um, for the most part, I'm on the sidelines. I have my thoughts and theories about what I like. But because I've kind of been in and out, I haven't really gone after anything. As I look at the games coming up on the 7th, Bucks are three-point favorites. Golden State's six-and-a-half-point favorites. I, I do think Golden State's been a little bit overvalued in that series based on the numbers that I've seen. Um, I feel like the, the total's a little bit high there, too. But I, I'd have to look a little bit more into the pace for the playoffs specifically for the Warriors because it does seem like they are playing a little bit faster than I expected. But I still think six-and-a-half might be a little too much given that I think those teams are closer in skill than the market seems to think. Uh, and then on the Bucks celtics side, it's it's been tough to handicap for me without Middleton and now Marcus Smart being, I guess he's probably questionable for the next game. I haven't looked yet this morning, but he is a big loss for them on defense. He is so disruptive. Um I think three is probably the right number there with the Bucks being at home. That's that's awesome insight. And I think with the Golden State Warriors, I think I was on them last night um, against the Grizz in game two because I, I watched game one and I saw a team that everything went wrong for Golden State and everything went right for Memphis. Jared Jackson and all these guys scoring all these points. If they couldn't win that game, how were they going to win the series? So I took Golden State last night. Obviously, didn't work. I will probably be on Golden State again, or I might look to a series price and see where where that sits now that it's kind of evened up the 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 thing here. So interesting stuff. Yeah, it's um when you watch the games you see certain things and you have to try to anticipate what the adjustments might be for what didn't work in game one. Now, I mean, Boston yesterday came out and shot like 60% or something in the first half from three. I mean, that's kind of tough to predict. Uh, not an easy thing to, to expect, but once you start getting into these matchups where they're playing day one, day two, day three, in my opinion, the market kind of sharpens up even more quickly so for me, if I'm betting within a series, I think the value is typically in game one and game two, whether it be you're betting individual games or totals, or you're trying to get an idea of where you think the series is going to go. The deeper you get into the series, I think 
the line sharpen up that much more. But that's just my experience. Do you find the playoffs, like, is part of the reason you're not betting in the playoffs because you, you think it's just very different than the regular season and just harder overall? I don't even know harder is the right word, but just a different um, – just a – different handicap of the game like does that just make you not want to bet the playoffs uh, to to a degree um i think largely it's just been circumstances this year and timing uh okay. i am not somebody who likes to be betting if i can't be all in so if i have distractions whether it be um personal or professional if I can't be looking at everything that I think I need to look at to be comfortable in my numbers and comfortable in my picks, I will take a step back, which is why I have not been involved much with MLB yet this year. I'm starting to put together some numbers on my end now to get started there. You know, I'll normally bet baseball from, from May until August. And then it kind of, it kind of falls off once call-ups happen. Oh yeah. Then it becomes a mess. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. That's interesting. Baseball. You bring up baseball. We'll jump to that. I, I've been betting a lot of baseball. I started the same way I started last year, which is horrible. And I'm not sure what I'm doing at the very beginning of the season to make like, it's two years in a row now that I start like, I don't even know what, what I started like three and 10, something like that. Four and 10. Did it last year, did it this year. And that sucks. That sucks. But I got to figure out what it is at the beginning of the season that kind of throws me off. Have you seen anything stand out just in baseball in general at the beginning of the year here? Maybe this can help guide me as to what what the problem might be. So if we're talking about totals specifically, I've seen or I have three – factors that I think are all contributing. I've typically felt in the past with baseball that it takes about a month or so for hitting to catch up to pitching. So pitchers tend to be more um, dominant earlier in the season as hitters start catching up with their timing, etc. This year with a shorter spring training with, you know, I think less quality reps for hitters, I think that's been one thing leading to a lot of unders. Second, I think the weather has been, if I'm not mistaken, it's like seven or eight degrees colder on average throughout all of April versus, yeah, um, versus previous years. So that's two. And then three, I do think there might be something different with the ball. So I don't know if you saw in the off season that there were some stadiums, that had either different balls or they were keeping them in humidors versus some stadiums that were not last year. This year, these numbers seem down so far across the board. Like I'm looking at the totals this morning. There's maybe the only game over eight for a total is the Nationals and the Rockies, and that's a Colorado game. Everything else is eight or seven and a half. Last year, a lot of games were eight and a half, nine, nine and a half. So something is definitely different. And being able to pinpoint what the contribution of each of those factors is to the totals is difficult. That's not something I've really gotten into. But it is definitely something different 
I posted something up on my Twitter yesterday. I was looking at individual team totals for team rankings and, and how teams were were performing. If you were to just bet teams blindly for the over, there were only two teams that were profitable. So unders are hitting very, very frequently. I think the market's starting to adjust. And it'll be interesting if somehow at some point in this season, the ball starts to bounce the other way, so to speak, where, you know, maybe they put a different ball in play to get the numbers up. I, I don't like the manipulation that I see from MLB of what they're doing with the baseball and not being transparent about it. And look, if you want to try, I totally agree. If you want to try different things, that's great. Please, please try some different things. I'm happy to, to, to sit through that, but you got to tell us what they are. It's as simple as that. I don't care if you make the baseball purple, you got to tell us, you know what I mean? Like you, you just have to share what it is so that we understand because now we don't even know if it's different. The Baseball Hall of Fame, there's scientists there that, that measure the seam height and the density mm-hmm. of every, you know, they, they, they know what the difference is. And they're saying it's different, but they can't say how different. And we don't know. Is it different in every stadium? It's a disaster. And it's borderline going to gonna turn people away from baseball more than baseball already has with their four-hour games. Yeah, it's a strange manipulation. Manipulation is, I guess, the right word because they're trying to do something to change something. What that motivation is for the manipulation, I don't know. Is it cost? Is it more expensive to make baseballs a certain way? I don't know. And I've seen a couple of little anecdotes anecdotes of pitchers saying something's different with the ball. But the ball's definitely not flying either. So trying to figure out what that is is difficult for somebody that's on the outside like you're a and I think about I think about several years ago, right? Like a six and a half or a seven total was reserved for like the big dog pitchers that got matched up against each other on Sunday night baseball or something, right? Like mm-hmm. it used to be the two best pitchers in the leagues that just happened to get against each other. Now, like there were six and a half yesterday with guys I don't even remember their names. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and there were things with if. If I'm remembering correctly, like even last year, like seven inning games. Yeah. Those were very often sixes. Like when you had the double headers. Yes, they were. They were very often six, six and a half. So now you have this for, for full game, for multiple games. I saw that the other day. I was like, wow, this really is. Scoring is really depressed. <laughs> when, let me ask you something um, that maybe you can help, help me with. Cause I always like, I, you know, I, like I say all the time, I enjoy talking to people so that I can learn something, learn to be a little bit better. When you finish putting your baseball numbers together, what will you do? Because I, and I, I'll tell you why I ask this, is I put, I spent all off season of baseball, like months working on something, and it doesn't seem to be working. I know it's very small, right? It's It's been a month of the season, and maybe I'm overreacting. But I don't feel like it's working. So I've then, over the last month, have worked nonstop on something else that's a little more, um, and it reminded me of, of when you were talking on Circles Off, is it's more of a directional, it's not like a full model. It's going to be more of a directional type of thing. Like, use it 
you put it into context and help make your decision. And I think when you said that, it really opened my eyes to say, I think that's okay. It doesn't have to be like this full model that spits out a price on a game. A long-winded way to ask, when you finish the baseball numbers, will you bet them? How will you? How are you going to check them? Or what is your just overall strategy around that when you have it completed? So I'll do some sort of error testing, so some sort of back test for whatever my predictions are. And I will check if that error is better, worse, or the same than the opening lines and the closing numbers. And more likely than not, it depends on what I get from what I put together. But it'll probably be totals focused. Um, It's been pretty... I'd have to look at my numbers again. But when I did money lines last year, it, it didn't go particularly well. I still got closing line value. Um, but I think I was betting heavy favorites probably more than I should. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as, you know, the run lines, the one and a halfs, um, not something I really dabbled in all, all that much. Those were very specific spots that I would mm-hmm. that I would see. So depending on what I kind of get with the numbers for, for team totals, that'll that'll be my baseline. So look at runs per game, have the pitcher be a factor, so whoever's the starting pitcher. And and that'll be that'll give me a number in aggregate. And then what'll happen is I'll start looking at other things, such as are there players that might be out of the lineup the next day, day game after night game, something like that, maybe, or uh was there heavy use in the bullpen the night before to the point where, you know, a team's first, second, and fourth best pitchers out of the bullpen are not available? That would help if I had a number that was close to or that was already over what's in the market. That would lead me to maybe go a little bit more on the over. So just those little things to get that starting point. And then whatever dynamics are out there, whether it be weather, whether it be an umpire, whether it be, you know, bullpen usage lineups, that will help me tweak up or down what I think the final number should be. And that'll determine whether I think, you know, there's value there or not. That's wonderful. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, it's been um, it's been really tough for for me with with this MLB season. I've really just been a little disappointed with how it went i've spent it's one of those things you spend so much time on and then to see it not work right away is just like heartbreaking right and i oh, know totally the, the better half of me knows that that's unrealistic is it, it's not doesn't work like that but you know you can't help but feel a little bit of disappointment so when you're going through your numbers and your data i mean it's been a weird first month of the season when it comes to totals have you found the numbers that you are projecting leading you to a lot of overs and that's the problem or are the unders that you're seeing not hitting either and it's kind of across the board because if you could start to pinpoint what your common error might be that's where you can potentially add something and tweak it and i'm not saying you do something to try and match the market necessarily because then you're probably overfitting your numbers a little bit Mm -hmm. but if you are seeing something consistent across the board, there just might be something that you need to to tweak or something that you're not incorporating. I think that's a great thought. My mind's just racing now. I got to let me 
these things bouncing around. You know, I thought that as we go through the season, my like projected totals were actually really low. Like almost um they're almost like too like maybe slightly too low at this point. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to work on is how do I why are they showing up so low? Is kind of where where I'm at. Like they're they're too low. And here's something different that I probably do more than other people because I am not a a pure modeler. I think the people that are pure modelers and have they do a very good job of incorporating the stuff that happens in the off season. I'm somebody that jumps in a little bit more after there's there's a sample size. So typically. Each season after about 10% of the games are played, whether it be baseball or NBA, that's when I started to have more confidence in my numbers because I put a lot more weight on the current season than I do the past. Um, I will look at if somebody's underperforming and whether or not I think that's going to continue or not. Uh, I'll I'll use Bradley Beal as an example for the Wizards. Uh, He had a terrible season, and he was somebody – who was shooting worse from three than he had for his career numbers. And I had to try and determine, all right, well, what's the real number in terms of his value for the team? Mm -hmm. It just so happened that I did not think much was going to change for him because I didn't think he had enough help offensively anymore to, to, I guess, return to his normal Mm -hmm. numbers. He might go up a little bit over what his averages were, but I thought I thought his performance was pretty close to real. So I never adjusted up for a Bradley Beal regression to his normal stuff. Same thing's going to happen with baseball. There are going to be guys that, you know, DJ LeMahieu last year, he had a very – I love DJ LeMahieu too. He had a very <laughs> bad season for him since he's been a Yankee. This year, I think he's closer to his normal numbers since he's joined the team. It's really hard to figure out what's real and what's not. But I tend to place more value on a current season's performance than, you know, history. Interesting. If that makes sense. Yes. No, it's wonderful. And I, you know, that's one of the big things that I kind of talk about a lot is kind of regression back to what it should be, either using you know, some historical numbers from the, the previous year or expected stats. There's plenty of those in baseball. So one of the big things that I talk about is where is, you know, this is what the underlying numbers say. This is what the numbers that we all look at say. Where is this going? Which direction is this going to go for this particular start or this upcoming start or this upcoming stretch of games or starts? Um, so all all very interesting stuff. I appreciate your your insight into that, and uh, hopefully, I'll take some of that and sit down and do some more work. It's always a work in progress, so you, you can never you never stop and be satisfied with what you have. Yeah, and if anybody out there who's listening thinks that um, making money quickly in sports betting is a thing. It's not. This is not some sort of get rich scheme. So depending on what you're hearing from, you know, maybe people that you're following and and maybe we get into this later, whether it be influencers or whatever, you know, these six, seven team parlays, could there possibly be value in one or two of them? Sure. 
But anybody that's telling you that sports betting is an easy way to make money isn't giving you the full story. And let's jump into that because we've got, you know, we got a little bit more time here. And I want to jump into that because I think it's important. And we talk about this quite a bit, but maybe not even enough. Um, There are so many people out there on Twitter, on Reddit, on, I don't know, Instagram, everywhere. Literally everywhere you look. There's people telling you that they're 3-0, 5-0 yesterday. This is 22 of our last 26, 7-0 in the month of May. I'm reading one now. It's just unbelievable. We're red hot. Like, I... You, you can't escape it. You can't escape it. You hit the home button on Twitter and you see them. And so talk to me about, and, and you wanted to, to bring this up too, so talk to me about what your thoughts are. What I don't even know. It's such a big topic to kind of tackle, but are, is Twitter the place that you're seeing most of these, like just all over Twitter? It, it is. And what I would say is there are plenty of red flags. And maybe we go back and forth, uh, you know, me and you one by one. <laughs> I would say my first red flag is is the recency bias. So if somebody is, and I, I think uh, Rob and Johnny said this in the Circus Off podcast, if somebody's putting up an eleven and six record, you can guarantee that they were eleven and seven before that. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. That I had was. never heard that before. Or if I had, I, I never picked it up. Um, if you are saying that you are on a hot streak, there's nothing wrong with that if you are putting it in context of the entire sample. So if you're saying you're 11 and 6 for the season, you know, you're 54%, you're up 34 units, great. But if you are ignoring the entirety of your sample and only putting that recent hot streak where you're cherry picking a subset Mm -hmm. that's a red flag that's the first one for me what would you say is one for you oh man i think there's i gotta give you two and they're kind of um, along the same line but i hate when people don't write the and this is a i really hate it but it's something very nitpicky i think is when people don't write the odds that they bet the, the thing at. I was looking. I'm looking at one right now that just pops up because you know how they pop up. And he gave three bets yesterday, and he didn't give me the odds on any of them. What am I supposed that to do with is, that? Yeah, that that was going to be one of mine too. Uh, <laughs> especially, my assumption is. It's funny, I was going to do a little poll thing on my Twitter, but I only have like a thousand followers, and I don't know that anybody cares anyway. (laughs) But if somebody posts three to four picks like you're mentioning, my question was going to be, as a viewer of that, do you just assume they are minus 110? Because that's what I would do. Meaning, if there is no odds, I'm assuming they got it at standard minus 110. I would agree. Normal VIG. I would agree. Okay. So there was a conversation or a thread yesterday about somebody um, from one of these, I don't know, subgroups, if you want to call them, of people that are sports betting 
but it feels like it's more entertainment and they're more worried just about followers. I don't see any significant um, results tracking. But one of them was around a hockey game where somebody, I guess, bought off of the main total and they just posted their number for people to either tail or not. But they bought it at like minus 160 and they didn't say it. And the same thing goes if they're going where it's a, you know, a dog too, where if maybe they bought down a number the other direction, you know, maybe they wanted to go under four and a half for, for hockey and that was plus 180. You should be being transparent, in my opinion, of whatever odds that you got, because chances are by the time somebody else might be looking to tail, the odds might be a little different. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, if you are a strong sports better and people are going to be tailing and following your picks, if the number is still there after you bet it, chances are it, it probably you're not following somebody who's very at least well-respected. Now, do all of my bets move markets? No, but I would say that for the most part, especially with the NBA, if I bet something early on certain sites, that line is not there within the next 15 minutes. So either the market's moving or a book moves off of something that I bet, if that part makes sense. Yes, that's the most important part of all. Because even if it wasn't your specific action that moved, that made them move it, right? It's more about the fact that you were, you can't possibly relay that because you were on the the correct side of a move that the number is gone anyway. So if you're doing that consistently, which you do, it's, that's the closing line value piece. But if you're doing that consistently, it's really close to impossible for people to like really follow you correct um and that is one of the reasons why i don't think i will would ever be interested myself in selling picks because i don't think enough people would be able to get the number that i get and that's fair and that's a fair assessment like at steady picks here we often straddle the line between the the two ideas right so sometimes we're posting numbers that don't that kind of get away very quickly um especially like when i post my personal plays that i that i'm betting like more times than not we're moving you know we're getting that in the right direction and i'll still post them for the sake of having them but i often talk about on this show in the morning because i know this is early and People might not listen to it till a little bit later. I always try and give like a a spot where I don't want to bet it anymore. I don't know what your thoughts are on on that. I always appreciate whether it's people that do it mathematically or not. I always appreciate hearing like, okay, we're gonna bet this until minus one forty, and then I don't believe it's a good bet anymore. Do you do you like yep. that? Is that 100%. something you could see yourself doing? 100% like, hey, this is good to minus three and a half. Like if, if I bet the game at minus two and a half, uh, I see enough value where even if it was minus three and a half, I'd still make a bet. I try and get the biggest edge for myself possible, given the amount of money that I bet per game. So that's fine. Um, and there are people out there. And I think the people that are selling picks that do do that are truly the transparent ones that say, hey, listen, 
I do expect this line to move. I still think there's value up until this point. Once you hit this point, I wouldn't place a bet. I think that's fair. And as long as you are being transparent about the number that you bet it at, there's nothing wrong with that. In my opinion, that's my philosophy. I agree. I agree. And I sometimes, you know, and we'll wrap up with this, but sometimes when you when we do this show and we're giving picks and, and things like that, you know, we're trying to be as transparent as possible. That's why I started doing this show is so that I could talk about what I like, what I bet, why I bet it. And, you know, while I'm not the best sports better in the world, right, I am not, not even close. I do believe I know what I'm doing more so than most people. So if I can help somebody make a better, a smarter bet and have a little bit of fun in the process, like that's kind of where steady picks has been is born from. It's that combination of smart betting. Am I, you know, the best better in the entire world? No, it's smart. It's a little bit fun. We can teach you the basics, all those things wrapped together. That's what steady picks is. And it's free. So, you know, there's, there's nothing. To yeah, that's for. that's what we're going to try and get to with sports wagering university f- for you know, try and get people from stage to stage. Mm-hmm. So truly, from like that novice better who is just coming in as maybe a sports fan who may not even know what the implied odds of an event are or what's a break even percentage. Like how much do you need to win to overcome the vig? Like to get from that point to having a little bit more fun to not making, uh, I don't know, sucker bets, for lack of a better term. And then, you know, piece by piece, building on that foundation to get better and better and to think of all the considerations to get them from, chances are somebody who's as likely as flipping a coin to being able to break even and stay in the game a lot longer, you know, to the point where they're not having to reload an account six times during an NFL season. That's what we're trying to avoid. We're trying to help give people a better chance to sustain themselves longer and hopefully get to the point where they could start winning 53%, then 54, and then maybe to 55. That's where we would like to see people get to and and help. But it's, it's a journey and experience is very helpful. Underrated. Underrated. I would say, because it is, you got to be through it to, to kind of see things. Um, Clive, I have, I have a baseball play today. Usually okay. share them at the end. Give it to you here. We're going with the Yankees tonight. One thirty. It's the best number around bet. MGM is where I got that minus one thirty. backing good old Nestor Cortez. I tell you, man, he is somebody that I just don't get. I'm a Yankee fan. I coming out of the bullpen, I absolutely couldn't stand him because he's not a lefty <laughs> specialist. Like they were treating him as somebody who was a lefty specialist just uh-huh. there to get lefties out, which yep. is not necessarily his game. But he is a an interesting pitcher for sure. He breaks a model. Yes. And you look at some of his underlying numbers. Right, his ERA is obviously very low, but the most important thing is the expected ERA, the woba, his expected woba, all rank above the ninetieth percentile in 
in baseball. I have him ranked right now in this season, in my numbers, I have him ranked 95th percentile of pitchers based on his underlying numbers. Yeah, and like his exit velocity is down from when it was when he was in the bullpen. All of that stuff matters. And he's a very good example of looking at recency versus history mm-hmm. and try and figure out, all right, well, what's changed from season to season? Has his velocity changed? Has his walk rate changed? Has his fly ball rate changed? Any of that, something that you think is sustainable enough to figure out who the real Nestor Cortez is. Is it the guy you're seeing this year and last year, or is it the guy more from the bullpen? If you have enough sustained expected stats like you're talking about, then then you can kind of trust what's out there. But a lot of times the people who are making the markets, they are, are more based on history and long term. So it takes a while to adjust to that. So Nestor Cortez unders last year were very good for a while, where if you bet them at open, you might get a half a run, you know, full minus 110 to a minus 110 or more of closing line value. Look for those opportunities. That's awesome. And I'll tell you just a, we'll give you an extra sneak peek here. And you ask maybe why some of the reasons he might be better this year than last year. And one of those is certainly that he's thrown a lot more cutters this year, a lot more cutters. The fastball usage is down. The cutter usage is up uh, substantially. And when you just break down his expected like win rate on any given pitch, uh, which is part of what I kind of put together, the cutter is so much better than it was last year. I do believe that is the single-handed difference on what he's doing this year versus last year is that that pitch seems to have gotten a whole lot better. Whether it comes back down to earth or not, we will see, but... Nestor Cortez, this is really a play on Cortez, and it doesn't help that Kikuchi, excuse me, is horrendous. Is absolutely horrendous. Um, one of the higher walk rates in the league right now. Just walking guys on base, and if you do that against the Yankees, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Nasty Nestor, I'm into it. I like it. So dollar thirty, it's dollar forty, dollar fifty in other places. Um, ah, not quite a fifty, forty-five. So somewhere in that range, uh, probably forty is the highest I'd play it. One thirty to one forty, but I think it should move that way. I would be shocked if this line doesn't move towards the Yankees today. Awesome. Good luck with it. Thank you. Nobody wants to see the Yankees win more than me. <laughs> Um, two tennis plays I'll toss in at the end too. And you get the full experience here, Clive. This is what the tennis plays get thrown in at the very, very end because nobody wants to talk about tennis. But it's very profitable if you're really good at it. <laughs> I like to think it's my uh, thing I'm best at, but it gets shoved to the end for the last 30 seconds. Sarah Cerebe's Tormo plus $1.25. Uh, that's actually a bet MGM too. That's the best number that's out right now. As we get through the day, may add a little bit on other places as it's as the line starts to come in against Jesse Pagula and then uh, against our girl Jill Teichman with Kalanina it's a minus a dollar five there you go two tennis plays Clive thank uh, you I'll have to check those out there you go there you go see if you can get 
get a better number. Tennis lines are hard, man. They're not available everywhere. It's hard to like, um, like you literally manually have to go through and like check all the books that you have. It's very time consuming. There's not a good platform to check them accurately. Yeah, like those those are, are tougher to pick off. Same thing with golf numbers to me. At least I haven't found a site that that I like enough. And not that I'm a huge golf better anyway, but if I just am looking to dabble, it is difficult to find. Like bet stamp is close with tennis. Like it's close to being perfect to what I need, but it's just not quite as fleshed out as, you know, obviously the major sports. So it really does come down to like clicking through every book some of them don't post, you know, because this, the, the well, I won't get into it. There's the big tournament. There's a smaller tournament in France. The France tournament, they don't post the numbers for. It's all overnight. So it's just like, it's a lot to juggle. It's a lot to juggle. Yeah, especially if you're doing it on your phone too. So I have my desktop up and running all day with, you know, sports stuff. But if you're running off of a phone and trying to check app to app and you want to go back from one to the other, sometimes it logs you out. It's a mess. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah, sure. I use the desktop. And this is maybe a maybe a horribly dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You mentioned having all the, the apps open and they log you out. How can I can I turn that off so it doesn't log me out automatically? Um, How do you because I can't even click between the tabs because it keeps logging me out of different ones. I'm not sure if there is a way to turn that off. I didn't think so. Um, Depending on the site and where you're located, now I think some of them are going to that two-factor authentication, mm, which is oh a pain yeah. in the butt too. Um, I don't know that there is a way to to turn it off to where your timeout isn't as quick. Mm. It would be nice though, because I just it keep, would. You know, I got ten tabs open. I keep logging out. I'm trying to find the right tennis things. It's just a joke. Um, great, Clive. Thank you so much. We'll do it again soon. Uh, at Clive Bixby forty one on, excuse me, on Twitter. And while you're there, Sports Wagering University, you can check out his work that he does there and see what that's all about. Uh, Clive, thank you again, very very much. Always a pleasure. Love being here. Thanks for having me. Very welcome, and good luck with the plays today. Two tennis plays, a baseball play. Let's see what happens. Steady Picks Radio, wake up and wager. Thank you so much. Enjoy your day.